Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is John J.P. Podlasic of Game Dev Advice. I'm a 30-year veteran of the game development industry and have a podcast where I interview artists, animators, programmers, designers, CEOs, and all different types of people that work in the game development industry. Whether you're an aspiring or an experienced game developer, you'll find useful, thought-provoking, and sometimes funny advice on the podcast. So check it out. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Arcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 184 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is the man from Denver, Robert Workman. Okay! <laughs> it is our Fatal Fury episode, and in a little bit here, we're going to have our buddy Andre Tipton jump in. We're going to talk about everything in the classic fighting series. I figured it's a good time for it, since Terry Bogard is now part of the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate roster. Indeed. So, we felt it was a series that deserved to be revisited. But speaking of uh, series that are being revisited, we thought we'd start our, our news with what just got revealed during XO19. Now, David, I don't know if you caught all the presentation. I did, because I had to write everything about it. But, yeah, uh, so I'll let you just drive us on, on this. So, what was like revealed during like XO 2019 uh, that really caught your eye there? Uh, Halo Reach is officially coming to the Master Chief Collection. It is coming on December 3rd for Xbox One, but it's also coming for PC, which indicates Master Chief Collection is finally about ready for its PC debut. Now, I know a lot of people have been waiting on this one for a while now, and I know... You know, a lot of people have also been waiting for stability in the Xbox One version, but they finally seem to have that. So, mm. I mean, this is a this is a win all around for Halo fans. You know, just in time for the holidays, and obviously, it's one of the more iconic Halo games. I think, you know, considering it was kind of like Bungie's farewell to the series before they moved on to Destiny. So, it, it's great to see it's revisited by three four three and getting kind of the respect it deserves on the next generation. I mean, you can play Halo Reach on Xbox One right now with the Xbox three sixty version, but this is kind of a touched up sixty frames per second, beautiful version of the game. I think it's 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 good to see it arrive finally. And it's all like in one package too, because it's part of the Master Chief Collection, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. So it is nice to see it wrapped up there, and then, like I said, also come to a PC audience. That's good news. But I'll tell you who had the big surprising showcase here, David, and that's Square Enix. Um, they came out swinging 
for the Xbox One, which I was really surprised by because usually they're, you know, Sony guys or Nintendo guys these days. But uh, <laughs> they had some announcements as well. Uh, during uh, XO19, they revealed that a bunch of the Final Fantasy games will be joining Xbox Game Pass in 2020. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw a bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. From Final Fantasy VII all the way through Final Fantasy XV. Uh, there wasn't a date given, but they're expected sometime early next year. But the big thing is for Kingdom Hearts fans. As you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, but there's no sign of the earlier Kingdom Hearts games. Well, that's about to change because in 2020, uh, Microsoft Xbox One will see Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5, along with Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Prologue HD something. I forget the exact name, but... Yeah, the names are all crazy for for the Kingdom Hearts games. Kingdom Hearts, look at me, I'm great. Right. (laughs) But yeah, um, both those games are coming in 2020, and there's a Kingdom Hearts 3 demo also available today. So it's a great opportunity to kind of dive into the series. And it's great to see, you know, the Xbox one get respect in that regard. And then this might please you, David, uh, the Yakuza series is finally coming to Xbox. One. I did hear about this. Yeah. Yakuza, <laughs> Yakuza zero, Yakuza Kiwami one and Yakuza Kiwami two all coming in 2020 to Xbox one and Xbox game pass. And this is great because, you know, a lot of times people look at the Yakuza series or kingdom hearts and they, they automatically think, you know, PlayStation four, but it's great to see, you know, that both Sega and Square Enix kind of recognize there's a bigger global audience for the Xbox One. I know in Japan it, it doesn't have anything. It's barely a blip. Mm-hmm. But we're talking like U.S., we're talking Europe, and the Yakuza games are really popular there. The Kingdom Hearts games are really popular there. So seeing them, you know, finally get a release on Xbox One and, and give the opportunity to expose, like, more people to these franchises. I mean, it's a great move. I mean, this seems like part of the concentrated effort now from the Xbox team to really start to build up, like, their library, especially going into the next generation of consoles. Um, so, I mean, this seems like it is, like, their, their their first step, I guess, towards doing that so they're not, like, left in the dust, just, you know, like how they are, like, in this current generation. Yeah, it's great to see it's all coming together pretty nicely. And who knows what other announcements we'll get in 2020, you know? I mean, for all we know, we could see the Chrono Games Reborn. <laughs> I mean, you're getting my hopes up again. There, buddy, uh, sorry, know? don't don't give me hope. Don't give me hope. Yeah. I'll tell you who should be hopeful: Sonic the Hedgehog fans, mm. uh, because uh, you know we we remember that trailer that debuted a couple of months ago for the movie and left us wondering why does he have teeth? Why does he have human <laughs> hands? You know, right. and I think you know. And now we got a new the Hedgehog movie trailer. Uh, which actually features a more traditional Sonic appearance. Not to mention the fact that they got rid of Gangsta's Paradise and actually replaced it with a fun song, which they should have done. <laughs> Supersonic, yeah. yeah. In the first <laughs> damn place. I mean, it sets a better mood than Gangsta's Paradise. I mean, it does. Are... I mean, it makes more sense, obviously, since it's, you know, Sonic and the title of the song, whatever. It's just kind of, you know, still has that kind of fun hip hop kind of sound to it and everything. But yeah, with Gangsta's Paradise, it just. I don't know, the mood was just kind of, like, off, like, for a Sonic yeah. Hedgehog movie to begin with. And not not to mention, like, the actual, like, model of Sonic himself. So. Yeah, th- this feels way better. Not to mention the fact, um, the redesign, I mean, I know Yuji Naka had a problem with it because the eyes weren't connected. There's the little fur that comes up between them. But this is a more traditional look. And what's more, um, it, it looks like Paramount actually turned to somebody who is very expertise behind Sonic design. They brought in Tyson Hess, who was the lead designer on uh, Sonic Mania to help mm. kind of like redo this look with the modelers and the riggers and the texture artists. And he worked very closely with three different animation teams in LA, London, and Vancouver. And it looks like it's going to pay off because I actually want to see this again. It is definitely a change in the right direction. I mean, it was only like a couple of days, I think, after the first trailer dropped and everyone was just like in a 
complete tizzy and uproar about it, rightfully so as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, like with like just like Sonic's design, but also just. I don't know. I mean, like, the script isn't exactly the greatest either. I mean, like, the script yeah. I don't think is going to, like, be changing all that much anyway. Um, but what's funny, actually, is that uh, after, like, this new trailer now, uh, now, that's, now that Sonic looks like he's all well and good as far as, like, how he looks uh, and acts and everything, mm-hmm. um, I feel like more people are now critical of Jim Carrey's Robotnik in this case. I don't yeah. know if it might be just because Sonic looks so much better, so now in, you know, in hindsight now, it just makes Jim Carrey's Robotnik not look all that great. Well, if you if you recall, though, the original trailer at the end did feature him with a traditional Robotnik look, so yeah. somewhere over the course of the movie, something's going to happen, and he's just going to go apeshit, evil, so... I think we're going to see that. I, I did see one nice little joke article, though. People were in an uproar and they wanted Big the Cat in the movie. I know it's <laughs> I know it's an onion piece, but yeah, I could see that. I mean, get Big the Cat, get Knuckles, get Amy, get all yeah. of them in there. Why not? Yeah. Get, get all of them in there. But yeah, I mean, it is looking hopeful. And the movie does have a new release date, February 14th, 2020, just in time for Valentine's Day. You lovers. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect first date movie right there. It really is. And, and, and it's a good kind of controversy, you know, because they're can also be the kind of controversy that gets ugly in this gaming world and that brings us to pokemon sword and shield now we've been seeing um first reviews coming out for these these games just came out uh first reviews do look good but a lot of people are trending this thing that says game freak lied talking about the game developer over at game freak and they suggest that according to the data leak there are reused models from earlier pokemon games you you kind of pointed this leak out here or link david i wanted you to tell us a little more about it yeah, so uh, this hashtag Game Freak Lied uh, started up actually funny, funny enough, um, just like a few days I think after uh, was a hashtag Thank You Game Freak was trending, um, and so basically hashtag Game Freak Lied started up uh, because uh, there was like an interview with Game Freaks Junichi Masuda and Shigeru Omori. Uh, who said basically that Pokemon Sword and Shield would not be reusing assets from uh, from previous games? Um, so most notably, there was like Pokemon Sun and Moon, um, you know, which are like the last like Pokemon games, you know, along with like Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Um, and so people kind of figure it's like, oh, well, you know, they'll probably like reuse some assets. Like it's not like there's like a huge graphical difference in fidelity, or whatever. Like with with like the new game. Um, but they did explicitly say that they would not be reusing assets and that all of their characters are going to be brought up from the ground up, basically, or going to be made from the ground up, um, which turned out to not be the case because uh, there were like some data leakers, basically, who pulled up in-game assets um, and basically found out that like the models are pretty much the same, like shot by shot, like from uh, from like Sun and Moon. So um, it's just kind of a bizarre lie, I guess. Like, like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a big deal, I guess, if Game Freak themselves didn't say that they would be actually making the models from the ground up. But that doesn't appear to be the case, like from the uh, from from the data leak here. So I don't know. It, it's just it's just like a really bad like look for Game Freak because you know again like it's just after like thank you Game Freak was trending. And, you know, people are just like, you know, getting excited for new Pokemon and like looking back at Game Freak's previous games and all that stuff. And now all of a sudden this happens like it's just like PR wise, it's it's not a good look for them. Yeah, I I agree, you know, with with a certain extent. I mean, I think that the games themselves are going to be fun and everything. But if I mean, if the developer specifically promised something and then it didn't quite go the way is expected, I mean, I can see some of the people having an uproar, but... I mean, the problem is when you let a problem like that overshadow the hard work that these developers put into the game. Because there is some that didn't know anything about unused models. They just worked on their end of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is a way for you to still 
support the game and the people that made it, but still be mad at the people. It, it, it's almost like a reflection of BlizzCon. Am I crazy about what BlizzCon did to, you know? I mean, it's a much different situation for sure. But, but, but you see um, the reflection there. You, you see that we can still support the game and the hard work that the people who didn't know about this controversy behind it, we can still support yeah. them, but you still have to question, wait, why are these models being reused? Or wait, why is this decision still coming? So that's kind of the reflection I made. But, I mean, the big difference is that the controversy with this in particular is that it's about the game itself, as yeah. opposed with like you know with like BlizzCon, like it has nothing to do with like the actual game. True. It's just about like what the company is doing from you know from from the high end. True. Um, this is obviously coming from like the high end as well with like Game Freak, but it has it has to do with the, with the actual game itself, and so it's I, like you know I, I I totally understand like why people would um, would be like upset over Game Freak with this. Um, I mean, I, it's not a huge deal for me, but at the same time, you know, if you're Game Freak, you shouldn't go out and say that we are doing this when it's actually the opposite. You know, it's just not a good look. Here, so. here, yeah, here's the problem. When you make promises and can't keep them, when you devote mm-hmm. yourself to something and you can't hold up. I mean, I mean, take a look at Google Stadia. This thing is going to launch next week, right? And it's going to be missing a bunch of crucial features. It won't be able to broadcast in 4K as previously promised. It's only going to have a handful of games, like 12, when the, you know a much more vast library was promised. So, I mean, what the problem with making a promise and not being able to keep it, it takes away trust. And I can see why some of these people would be upset at Game Freak about that. I mean, again, I don't think it'll affect the game sales, but I mean, it is something to look at in regards to what kind of development crunch did they face that they had to use on, you know, reset, you know, reused models. Cause I mean, imagine like that crunch time had something to do with it for sure. And, um, that's a really good point that, that you brought up actually in terms of like sales of, you know, whether this like controversy will like affect it. I don't think it will personally because it's Pokemon and Pokemon always sells super well. Um, I'm just kind of curious to see like, you know, I guess if it'll have a sort of, you know, any sort of like drop off uh, from like the last Pokemon games that came out. Um, and if like the controversy will have anything to do with it, I, I, like, I'm not entirely sure. I have a feeling that Pokemon Sword and Shield will sell super, super well because one, it's, you know, it's like an actual, it's it's a full-fledged Pokemon game on the Nintendo Switch and, and the Nintendo Switch is already like a huge platform as is. Um, so you have like the biggest franchise on like the biggest console right now. I mean, like it's, it's just going to sell like gangbusters, I think. Um, I think that's like a safe bet, but yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, I kind of equate this, honestly, instead of like with like Blizzard and Blitzchung and all that, uh, that, um, it's actually more equatable to, um, to what was happening with like Spider-Man and like Puddlegate and all that stuff, Puddle you know? Puddlegate, oh Jesus. Yeah. Cause I mean, like it was like something that like, oh my God, like you said that like there was going to be puddles or like it was going to be like realistic looking streets with puddles or whatever. And they had to take the puddles out or whatever. So I mean, I, I I kind of equate this more to that. Like, you know, ultimately, it's not a huge deal. It's, it's just the fact that they said it was going to be one thing and it's actually like another. But I feel like it's going to have no real bearing on the game or even the sales yeah. or anything. Just two things to wrap up. Number one, I think Game Freak is going to learn from this. And I think when they work on future Pokemon games, which they obviously will, we'll see another one in a couple of years or so, they'll devote themselves more to make sure something like this doesn't happen again. Or at the very least, you know, it'd be like, when it comes to making a promise, maybe focus on the general promise of what the game will do instead of what the game's made of. I think that would probably be a more important thing to focus on. And number two, you know how adamant people get. Puddlegate was, what? 
you're mad about a yeah a, i'm walking past puddles i could give a crap and then of course obviously the big fun that came out of that one they came up with screenshots and it just looks like an ocean you know so it's not a puddle yeah. anymore so you know the internet could be fickle you know they could be absolutely yeah. fickle so like i said i don't think it's going to affect the game sales but it is something to look at in terms of developer it could be something with crunch time it could be anything but we don't know and without knowing all the details all i can say is look if you like Pokemon, go check out Sword and Shield. If you don't, you got Star Wars Jedi. You got all these games that are on on the way. You know, you've got Sparklight, which came out today, which is amazing, by the way. Mm, so that looks cool. I'll, I'll yeah. talk a little more about that. But I mean, you've got all these other choices. If Pokemon's not your boat, that's fine. You don't have to play it, but mm-hmm. don't ruin the good time for everybody else. I mean, for me, I mean, all is forgiven as long as they come out with a pocket card jockey too. That's all oh, I'm asking gosh. for at this point. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of miracle plays. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we do want to talk about one more thing here, and this is kind of cool if you're a retro fanatic. Uh, 8-Bit Do, the guys who make great little uh, controllers and all that, and give you a retro feel of classic game consoles there on your current systems. They have teamed up with someone to make an NES mouse. It's called the 8-Bit Do N30, and it's an interesting design in which you have like the two buttons there and the little side D-pad there. It's It's... It looks like an NES pad melded with a mouse, but I mean, it's sold out already, which shows its popularity and all that stuff. But David, I, I'm looking at this thing and it looks uncomfortable as hell. <laughs> it looks like I'm going to get like hand cramps like I did playing Mario for hours on it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of like the point, though, because like the original NES controller isn't exactly like the most comfortable controller to hold anyway, <laughs> you know? True. So, I mean, like the mouse is actually like pretty, um, is pretty like traditional, I guess, in that sense, um, you know, as far as like actually matching like how the NES controller is, uh, especially with like the two buttons, as you mentioned there, and like the D-pad on like the side, which actually works, too, because, you know, it's like functional, like where you can actually move up and down like browser pages and things like that. Um, but what's really cool that uh, they, they might not know just, just from first glance um, is that the space in between the two buttons uh, is actually a um, it's actually like a 3D touch panel, uh, which you use like to scroll up and down. Uh, so it has like a lot of like modern amenities, despite its very retro look to it. So um, it's definitely something I think is like a really good pickup, especially for 25 bucks, which is a not bad price at all for a mouse. Yeah. Um, but like the only thing is that it's sold out right now on the uh, on the 8-bit Doe store. Uh, so hopefully they will get more in the near future because I feel like that this would be like a great holiday present. Yeah, I mean, it is a neat little peripheral. I'm just saying like, you know, as somebody who's used to comfortable mice and everything like that and who works continuously <laughs> online. Yeah, that's not so angular anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is a cool device. And, you know, Ape do that they make great controllers. I actually have uh, an SN30 Plus uh, for my Nintendo Switch and I absolutely love it. So definitely worth checking out if you're an NES fan. Just uh, make sure you don't do too much of the carpal tunnel thing. Just take, right. a, break. <laughs> yeah. take a break. Type something, then take a break, then come back. Stretch your fingers out. Exactly. Welcome. And that's going to lead us down to the part of the show called What Are You Playing? We've got some games you've all been playing or recently beat. So, Robert, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Well, I've been playing Sparklight. Sparklight is a top-down adventure. Uh, definitely has a little bit of a Legend of Zelda to it, but, I mean, it's sort of like a roguelite. So, like, you know, mm. things change up. With like each... top-down adventure game yeah, type it, of thing. it's yeah. really cool. Um, it's definitely got that indie flavor to it. This actually just came out. It's from the team at Red Blue Games. And uh, it's... 
gotten like an approachable to it. You where like you you start out like one like this airship, and you're basically trying to build yourself back up in an attempt to like you know defeat enemies that are much bigger and more dangerous than you. But it's got that um old school appeal to it. So it's like you know you you do have to keep going back if you get defeated. You got to come back again. But it's definitely a lot less tough than like say Rogue Legacy. Hmm. It's really a good time all around, and I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, I've also been playing Need for Speed Heat. Uh, this is the latest, oh, yeah. latest Need for Speed series. Criminally underhyped because you might recall a couple of years ago they released Need for Speed Payback. This was Ghost Games, the guys who worked on it before, and it was not good. Like it had all these super stunt moments that were played out for you. Uh, the racing got kind of boring. The characters were kind of useless. But I'd like to, uh, I'd like to admit here that Heat is a nice turnaround from that it actually feels like the racing makes more of a difference you know the controls are great the variety of events available are pretty cool the police pursuits are actually tough you know you, mm. these guys are actually on your ass and you have to like use every little shortcut you can to get through it now the game still kind of has a fast and furious mentality i i don't know these guys have a boner for vin diesel or something i, I don't know what it is <laughs> you know i'm sure they like appreciate the fast and furious movies in that case so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, which I recommend go watch Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, EA they didn't hype it at all. They they shadow released it a week before Jedi Fallen Order, which I cannot wait to play. I'm playing it tonight, mm. and they did the same thing that they did a few years back with Battlefield One and Titanfall Two. They overlapped one release with another release, and now I fear Need for Speed Heat will be lost in the shuffle. I don't yeah. think it deserves to be. I think it deserved a little more hype, maybe a release in December or something, because, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, it's going to get all the attention, and Heat's just going to get washed away. And this is actually a good racing game. Not the best Need for Speed, but it's still a step back forward from whatever the hell payback was. I mean, to have, like, no hype behind it, I mean, it's just odd, because, I mean, I actually first heard about this game when it came out through Dave Oshry, actually, on Twitter, because yeah. he was posting, like, clips of it. It was like, wait, there's a new Need for Speed game? And um, yeah, he you know he was just kind of just putting up like some video clips like from like the game like just playing it and you know it looked like a lot of fun you know it's definitely a very pretty game for sure um, and it seems like it's kind of like a return to form honestly for like the franchise because it seemed like the franchise was just kind of getting like too bloated or just like away from like what made the games fun to begin with um, so I'm just glad to see that there's a new game I just wish you know EA would just put some marketing behind it at least you know? yeah I think we deserve it and then um, one more thing I want to mention here it's not necessarily a game I played but I did subscribe to Disney plus and uh, you know aside from all my viewings of gargoyles and the rocketeer and Darkwing duck and all this old school stuff I did get to watch the Mandalorian and mm. this is of course the new Star Wars series that features Pedro Pascal as the mysterious Mandalorian sort of this bounty hunter sort of character and I got to admit, this show is actually really good so far. Um, the first episode really set the tempo for what's to come with the remaining episodes this season. It's well cast, you know, and one thing I can't get over here is they got uh, Werner Herzog, of all people, to star hmm. in the Star Wars series. And he's kind of cool. When he was doing interviews and everything like that, they're just completely off offbeat. You know, it's like I don't understand, understand anything about the Star Wars series. I've never <laughs> seen anything John Favreau worked on. Oh, but I like keeping with the Kardashians or something. I don't know. He even mentioned like he liked, <laughs> okay. he liked wrestling shows like, like uh, NXT. I mean, it was a completely oddball interview. But I think my point is it just it really ties into the lore of the Mandalorian. And I think this show is going to be a lot of fun as it goes on so if you get disney plus you know take some time watch rocketeer Darkwing duck all that and then gargoyles and then the mandalorian does the mandalorian basically feel like the boba fett series that we've been promised all these years kind of and i wouldn't be surprised i actually thought i saw boba fett in the premiere which means he survived the sarlacc pit 
<laughs> of course be, he did. Which would be pretty <laughs> radical if if they acknowledge that. I'd love to see him acknowledge that. But uh, I'm sorry, spoilers. <laughs> but go watch the episode. <laughs> All right, David, what have you been playing? So I recently beat The Outer Worlds. Um, absolutely loved it. I, th- I think you know, thought it was like really really good. Um, it's definitely like up there for like some of my favorite gaming experiences of this year for sure. Um, although it's still behind Resident Evil 2 Remake and Untitled Goose Game for me, honestly. Um, but the Outer Worlds, I mean, it's basically the Fallout game that like a lot of Fallout fans have been like waiting for. Um, and I feel like it, it really came out at like the best time, honestly, with like what's been happening with Fallout 76 and people just wanted that more traditional like single player experience. Um, so if that's what you've been like itching, I mean, this is like the perfect scratch for for that itch, really. Um, it, you know, it's a lot of fun. It has great characters to it as well. Um, I do have to mention, um, you know, like as far as like the characters anyway, I really like Ellie and Nioka. Uh, but Parvati, uh, I would say, is kind of like the big like standout character, really, because um, she is very uh, she's very upfront about being gay. Uh, she has like someone like who she has like feelings for, and basically her whole like side quest attached to her is uh, you trying to help her woo this uh, this other engineer who she has like a crush on, basically. And um, the way they handle it is super, super well done. And um, I actually heard that uh, the person who actually wrote her character basically used, like, her own experiences, actually, to, like, write her and, like, make her feel more um, more believable, really, like, as far as, like, what she's, like, dealing with and struggling with as far as, like, you know, trying to win over this person. But, you know, she's also gay. But, like, you know, really normalizing it, really, in, in, the, you know, in the game. And, you know, I feel like the game does, like, a great job for that. If not, if you know, if nothing else, like the outer world should be like should be um, you know should be like hailed honestly for its achievement as far as like normalizing a gay relationship. Yeah, it's really great. Like Obsidian has always been on par with with their storytelling, mm-hmm. and you know she's one great character within this game. But it's just really great, like the arc they carry, like with the different characters. You know, like you know you run into some you know despicable scoundrels. You run into some people who actually want to make a difference. You run into people that you know you really don't mind falling for, which is really great. Be like, I'm defending this woman at all costs. Back off. <laughs> right, right. Um, and also, I've been playing Mario and Rabbids, the Donkey Kong DLC. So it's like a good excuse for me to get back into Mario and Rabbids since I absolutely love that game. Uh, definitely one of my favorite games on the Switch, period. Um, so, you know, it's been kind of long overdue, but, um, you know, finally started playing the Donkey Kong DLC. And, um, you know, I did beat it as well. And Donkey Kong himself is like a lot of fun like, to play as, like, in this, honestly, because uh, he has, like, the ability to uh, basically grab, like, you know, any, like, characters, whether they're, like, your allies or enemies or, like, you know, uh, any sort of, like, um, you know, blocks or, like, whatever, basically. He can kind of, like, grab it and, like, move with it and, like, you know, chuck it and all that stuff. So it adds, like, a great mechanic that is otherwise not in the original game. And um, it, it just makes it like feel like an actual like proper uh, pseudo sequel in a sense. Like it's it's pretty cool. So uh, definitely want to check out if you're uh, if you're itchy for more Mario XCOM action. So. Yeah, totally cool. I really enjoyed this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I still have to figure out like what I'm gonna be uh, playing next. But I have like a lot of stuff on my plate. So we'll see what's next on the table. But uh, one game that could be next on your table though is the Three Thousand Duel. So this is a Steam code. Uh, a hero with no memory and with a mysterious mask covering his face is thrown out into this land of unknown. Reaching to an end of his journey, he discovers a truth that is hard to swallow, something terrifying about his true identity. Explore a huge world with terrifying monsters and mysteries within. So if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this. Again, this is a Steam code. The code is 4 c 3 a r l g w e t 
Z-Q-R-Z-Z. Again, that's 3,000th Duel on Steam. Enjoy. And if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at Arc Podcast on Twitter. Welcome back to the Stage of History. And with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I figure since we are talking about the Fatal Fury franchise, I'll bring up the one that's personally my favorite, uh, which is Garrow Mark of the Wolves. So this is a 1999 fighting game by SNK. It introduced the Just Defend mechanic, which was later added as a feature of K-Groove in Capcom vs. SNK 2. Terry Bogard went through a redesign since the SNK staff thought his original look had become outdated, and a sequel was in development, with one of the new characters being a student of longtime favorite Joe Higashi. So, uh, Robert, what can you tell us about Garou Mark of the Wolves? I really enjoyed the hell out of this game. I like the fact that they introduced almost an entirely new cast aside from Terry Bogard. Like, for instance, Rock Howard, mm. which almost sounds like Ron Howard, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Rock Howard is the son of Geese Howard, and he and actually the final boss in this game is Kane Heinlein, who is of course uh, the uncle of Rock. So it's kind of a family affair. It really so, is, yeah. <laughs> and then you have other characters in the game as well, and it, it's just this is probably one of the most balanced fighting games I played from SNK, and they've done a lot, you know. But this yeah. this one just keeps coming back just because of how artistically stylish it is how well it plays you know how it adapts to like fatal fury systems what works for the better and it just mm-hmm. it really left its mark and i was kind of hoping you know we'd see like more entries in this particular series i know there was a planned sequel for a while there yeah. it looked like you know at one point there was a cast even revealed in june 2016 there was a cast for the sequel but we haven't heard anything about its development obviously you know snk is busy with you know it's samurai showdown dlc and king of fighters 15, I believe we're on now. 14? 15. 15, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're working on that. So I assume we probably won't see Mark of the Wolves Part 2 for some time. But I'd like to think somewhere in the back of their heads that they're getting this together and planning it for a monumental comeback. I mean, it worked for Samurai Showdown. Exactly, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like because Samurai Showdown did well enough, I feel like that kind of opens the door, honestly, for Fatal Fury to make a comeback as well. I mean, obviously that they have the King of Fighters, but Fatal Fury has always kind of played differently from the King of Fighters anyway. Um, you know, especially if they bring back the um, was the plane switching mechanic, which I'm not personally like a big fan of, but I feel like that there is maybe some sort of modern way to make that work in order to you know make it more fun and everything. Uh, that or have you know have like the uh, the, the like, mechanic come back, like where you can like break through like the uh, the edges of the stage and like knock them out, like have like a ring out, but in a 2D fighter, you know, um, which would be pretty cool, but. I don't know. I mean, like, it would just be really cool to see these Fatal Fury characters come back, like have, like, Blue Mary come back, have Yamazaki come back, uh, Joe Higashi, Andy Bogart, all, all those characters. Um, you know, I, th- I think it would be, like, a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, with, like, Garrow Mark of the Wolves, though, I mean, like, that that is, like, considered, like, to be, like, one of the, like, it's, it's considered to be, like, one of the best games, not only in Fatal Fury, but in, in, in like, SNK's entire library, period. Um, which is kind of odd, like considering that it is the last Fatal Fury game to have come out, and that came out—it came out twenty years ago, actually, like almost to this day. Um, you know, so it's just kind of odd that you know, again, we just haven't seen like a new uh, new Garo, or, like a new Mark of the Wolves, a new Fatal Fury game, basically. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm just really, really hoping that it does come back in some way. <laughs> But I'll tell you what game uh, we probably shouldn't see back is uh, Fatal Fury Wild Ambition. This is my obscure app for this week. Uh, this was actually a 3D Fatal Fury game that was originally produced for the Hyper Neo Geo 64 uh, back in January 1999. It would later be ported to the PlayStation 
1999 uh, in in Japan as well as the U.S. I actually just got a glimpse of the um, cover art here, and uh, David, you probably just take a look at this and you probably agree it's pretty pretty um, pretty wild. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what this guy's problem is, but uh, the game I mean, it's Geese just, Howard basically just looking demented and everything. Yeah, for looking us. demented, like trying to get that Akuma look going, I guess. Yeah, it's like constipation or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but I mean, the game does have like a 3D appearance, features a number of characters Terry Bogard, Andy Bogard, Joe Higashi, Maishiranoi. It's got an interesting power system using like superpower attacks and special moves and desperation moves, but. See, the shift to 3D threw everybody off of this game. Um, I took a look at, like, different reviews, and it was definitely bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. You could tell, like, the graphics were rushed in some cases, and the gameplay just didn't mesh with the 3D style. Uh, this It's sort of like what happened with Samurai Showdown Sen or Samurai Showdown 64. Or Street you Fighter know? EX as well, honestly. Yeah, although I did like Skullamania. But, yeah. <laughs> but you could just tell, like, when you adapted it to a 3D system, it just didn't work out. I mean, the art style was kind of cool in some places, and it... What did have a decent varied cast and everything. There was like a secret character named Lee's Young Fei that was pretty cool. But I mean, overall, this was a game that was quickly forgotten and for good reason. Because, you know, like the 2D games were far more concentrated when it came yeah. to its gameplay. I mean, it seems like any game that goes from 2D to 3D, as far as like its gameplay anyway, that uh, it, like it just doesn't tend to work out because like a game is made in 2D for like a reason. Like if you're going to like move it over to like 3D, you would have to like really change like how, you know, characters move and like how their moves interact and what they do and all that. Like it, it, there's a lot I feel like that, um, you know, kind of like draws the line, I guess, between like a 2D fighter and a 3D fighter. And I feel like a, a 2D fighter almost always has to stay 2D um, in order to be, like, you know, fun and successful, whatever. Like, obviously, like, you know, they had to kind of give it a try, whatever, this back in, like, 1999, like, when, when, like, 3D was, like, really kind of taken off and all that. So, like, with, like, the Fatal Fury franchise, I mean, like, they just really want to, you know, see what they can do in order to, like, evolve the franchise in some way. But I, I just find, like, every 2D fighter that tries to make that transition to 3D gameplay it just doesn't usually work out all that well. And it can go the opposite well as well. I remember uh, Virtual Fighter 2 coming out for Sega Genesis, and it wasn't nearly as in-depth as the original Virtual Fighter 2 because it started in 3D, and then they tried to shoehorn it into a 2D format. It wasn't bad, but you didn't feel like the full presence of what the game was about. So it just seems like if a, if a fighting game sticks to one medium, it shouldn't try to cross over to another medium when the one medium works so well. You know what I mean? So maybe that's just a lesson learned. And I think, you know, SNK learned that because we have, uh, you know, we have not seen any that many 3D fighting games since then. You know, Samurai Showdown Sin was probably the last one. Since uh, yeah, then, it's been for good reason. <laughs> yeah, since then it's been 3D design games, but they've utilized 2D gameplay. Samurai Showdown, mm -hmm. King of Fighters 14. And I think that works for the better. Hey everyone, this is Rob and Jay from the Classic Gaming Podcast. We uh, play and talk about old school video games on our podcast. I know you probably couldn't have guessed that from the name of it, but uh, as for me, I tend to prefer the old, the good old point and click adventure game genre. I also like strategy games. I play a lot of a wide variety of stuff. Uh, uh, as for Jay? Yeah, I'm really partial to RPGs and RTSs, so things like Final Fantasy Tactics and Chrono Trigger to that of StarCraft or Age of Empires. Um, generally at the podcast, we try to stay on topic, but we usually end up going off on super, super far tangents. Give us a listen over at the HP Video Game Podcast Network. You can also find us at ClassicGamingPodcast.com, and uh, we hope you check us out.
And that's going to lead us now to our main topic, which is looking back at the Fatal Fury franchise. So uh, I figure we'll talk about a bit, you know, a bit first actually about like how it set itself apart, you know, apart from Street Fighter, um, because we did uh, talk about this before in a recent episode where um, the uh, the like director and like some of the staff basically who made the um, who made Street Fighter One uh, actually split off and uh, worked for SNK in order to you know in order to make the original Fatal Fury. Um, so in a way, like Fatal Fury is kind of like the alternate timeline of the Street Fighter franchise, and you know, in that sense. So, Robert, I was kind of curious on your initial exposure to like the Fatal Fury uh, franchise, and like you know, what was like some of the first games you played. First one I played was the original Fatal Fury in the Neo Geo. This was back in a game store that was open a while ago, and I remember one cool thing about it was being able to fight between the background and the foreground. This yeah. added a nice new dimension to fighting, literally, as you could literally jump across planes to like avoid attacks or to come flying in with a drop kick or something. Um, I thought this was a really well done tactic, and it was handled nicely. And on top of that, some of the characters were obscure. Remember, the, like this one character that just did this thing with his legs and he kept flipping around or whatever. I forgot his name, but he had the greatest like you know lost scream I've ever heard in a fighting game. Whoa! I forgot, <laughs> but it was amazing. Um, and then on top of that, you know, fighting Geese Howard to the death at the end, you actually felt like you had real stakes. Like when you fought in Street Fighter Two, if M Bison defeated you. You know, that that was kind of it for your tournament run, but you could try again later. If Geese Howard defeated you, you got dropped off a goddamn building, you know? Right. So, <laughs> so he's like, I'm not dealing with you. Push, you know, forget the car down there. No, you know, it's... And there was, like, more of, like, a focus on, like, story and, like, the characters' interaction with each other back then, for sure. Yeah, yeah and it was really cool. And I think it evolved better as Fatal Fury 2 came along, because we saw, like, more cast members, like this big wrestler, the introduction to my, you know, all these, all these different characters. And... It just kept getting better as it went along. Fatal Fury 3 kind of lost its way a little bit, but then we came around to like Fatal Fury Special, you know, mm-hmm. real about Fatal Fury games, which I thought were pretty good. And then obviously Garou Mark of the Wolves. So even though we didn't see many entries, like I said, I think the only one that really lacked for me was Fatal Fury 3 Road to the Final Victory. I didn't feel like that fit as well as the previous games. But overall, it balanced out pretty well, aside from Wild Ambition. We won't even bring that up again. <laughs> yeah i feel like um i think i feel like with like fatal fury special that was a uh it was like essentially like a remake more or less of the first game yeah. at least of, of, of like the storyline of it right yeah it was sort of like it, it, was, it was sort of like a director's cut that threw in a few extra things but it was it was still pretty cool for what it did and i remember they released it for like xbox 360 at the time when they were just getting at the height of their downloadable games and it was really popular at the time right so it really brought in like uh a whole new kind of audience to enjoy at that time. And it was, it was pretty well done, you know, but like I said, I think, I think the thing that threw me at fatal fury three, I think like, I don't know what it was. Just like the momentum fell off. It was sort of like when Samurai Showdown three came out and I fell off with that. It's like when, when the third chapter was released, you could just tell like something was a little bit off with each series. And you feel like it maybe like ran out of steam a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I did like the fact they introduced Blue Mary because I kind of always mm. liked that character, you know, just because of her. She's one of my all time favorites, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought she was cool, but I just don't know. Something just felt a little bit off with the gameplay. But nevertheless, I mean, like as a whole, I think the series held up really well for as long as it lasted. And, it, you know, some of its legacy could be credited to tying in with King of Fighters. Because I think King of Fighters became like SNK's baby after it was trying like, you know, focus with these other fighting series. It wanted to see what it could do with these other fighting series. They were like, 
yeah, let's just bring in everybody. And, you know, and then they started throwing <laughs> in everybody into this coup de grace that is King of Fighters. So, Well, what's funny, too, actually, is that um, in Fatal Fury, anyway, like the tournament itself is actually called King of Fighters. So yeah. like, that's really like where that name came from and what ended up becoming like the King of Fighters ended up being like this kind of like all-star crew, basically, of like Fatal Fury people, of Art of Fighting people, and like, you know, like, you know, have like new, new characters in there as well, like Kyo and Iori and all that. Um, you know, so it, it was just really interesting, like how, how that came about, um, you know, almost as a way, I guess, to maybe like replace like the other fighting games that they had before, uh, or like the other fighting franchises that they had before. But I feel like with like Fatal Fury, you can still continue that and also still have the King of Fighters. Cause again, those two games play very differently from each other, especially considering that Fatal Fury is generally more of a one-on-one fighting game. It has like the just defense system. It has like the plane switching and all that. Um, although what's funny is that like the uh, you know the, the Fatal Fury game that most people like the best or like has like you know have like the, the uh, you know the fondest memories of is the one that plays the most like Street Fighter. So that kind of begs the question for me, and I'm kind of like you know I'm kind of asking you this as well actually. Uh, do you feel like Fatal Fury is at strongest when it is trying to be different from Street Fighter as far as like you know having mechanics like the plane switching and all that, or do you feel like it does need to you know? be more in line with a traditional fighting game or more more Street Fighter-like fighting game, kind of like how Garou Mark of the Wolves is. I think sticking out is definitely the way to go and doing your own thing. I mean, like, anybody can make a Street Fighter clone. We've seen it. Fighter's History, World Heroes. I mean, a lot of those games blatantly go out for the Street Fighter formula and ride it like a friggin' wave, you know? But mm-hmm. it had its own mantra in terms of, like, the characters that it came up with, the storyline that it came up with, the bouncing between the 2D planes... You know, it did so much that was different that stood out. Like SNK didn't make it a blatant copy like other fighters did. It went to it did its own thing, and that started crafting its fighting legacy. And we saw that with Summer Showdown. We saw that with Art of Fighting. We saw that with King of Fighters. Uh, we saw them just do their own thing. Sometimes it stuck. Sometimes it didn't. But for the most part, Fatal Fury, I like to think, stuck very well. You know, SNK worked very closely with Takara on the home versions. Uh, I'd like to think Fatal Fury did really well on the Genesis when it came out. I remember picking it up and loving the hell out of it. Actually, more than the arcade game. I think hmm. the controls were a little more solid for me with a gamepad compared to, like, a joystick. But that's just me being finicky. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, overall, though, I definitely think Fatal Fury did enough in its own right to establish itself differently and not just a Street Fighter clone. And I think you'd like to you, – you, you probably agree with that. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely do to like a point because like I do like Arrow Mark of the Wolves like the best out of all the games, and that's kind of like by far really because I, I always like the Fatal Fury games, but Garrow Mark of the Wolves is where, is where like oh this is like what I really want from this franchise, you know? Um, because like the whole plane switching thing, although you know it certainly you know makes Fatal Fury like its own thing, um, it, it just seems like I don't know, it, like it, like it never felt like it it was done. Uh, completely 100 percent you know perfectly well i guess is what i'm trying to get at um maybe it's just like me just never really kind of getting used to that whole mechanic but um like i like i feel like it can be done um you know like a lot better than how you know how it has like in the past and it could be like a fun mechanic but i do really like at least in garrow mark of the wolves like they have like the just defend mechanic which is basically like uh it's kind of like the third strike parry system in a sense but instead of like hitting forward at the right time you're hitting back at the right time and it had like the uh the top system as well which is basically you dedicating like a part of your life bar um to like be like where you're like at, at like a more powerful state you have access to like a different move and all that stuff 
um, you know, so I, I like that whole idea. Like it's almost like a strategic um, sense to it. Like before you like actually start the game, um, you know, for like a fighting game, like it's definitely rare in that case. But I don't know, like with with like Fatal Fury, I, I, just, I just really want to see it come back. But I, I definitely want to see the whole plane switching mechanic done better than how it has in the past. Um, it's just hard for me to say because, like, you know, again, I really like Arrow Mark of the Wolves and a lot of it is because they, they kind of did away with the plane switching. Um, but I feel like that mechanic could be fun and interesting if done differently, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I think if they do bring it back, they'll find some way around the mechanic to make it work. I mean, look what they did with Samurai Showdown. When that game came back, they, they were able to throw in the super moves effectively, maybe a little too effectively. You kicked my ass at it pretty badly. <laughs> and I just I'm remember just, the moves. That's it. So. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, watch this, Robert. Oh, well, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, dead. <laughs> Oops. But you get my point. They, they appreciate the fine mechanics that work in a game such as this. Samurai Showdown proved that. King of Fighters 14 proved that. So if mm-hmm. they ever did get around to bringing back Fatal Fury or reintroducing, you know, the Gyro Mark of the Wolf sequel, I think we'll see that gameplay mechanic done with expertise. For sure, for sure. And um, I guess we'll get into like some of our favorite games as well. Um, I'll just kind of just outright say, again, Garo Mark of the Wolves is definitely high up there. Same. Um, yeah, although, like, I, you know, I, I have played uh, Real Bout as well, and Real Bout I liked a lot, honestly. Um, I feel like as far as, like, the, uh, the like, older games uh, are concerned, at least, like, the old, you know, older than Garo, anyway, um, that one kind of, like, felt the best to me, um, you know, as far as, like, you know, even with, like, the plane switching and, like, just, you know, with the way that the characters move and interact and all that stuff, like, it, it just kind of felt, you know, right to me as far as, like, those games are, are concerned. Um, so, Robert, it's the same for you with with, with Garo, yeah? Yeah, Garo is definitely a top pick for me because of just how amazingly well it came together. But I also like Fatal Fury too. I like the fact that they added more characters that made a difference. It was a great debut for Mai, as I said. And I don't know, I think it just nailed down the idea that it was more about a fun tournament, not like a fight to the death. You know, I mean, you still had to <laughs> you still had to go up against like a badass boss with Wolfgang Krauser, the best oh, boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And not to mention Billy Kane. I, I, I thought it was great facing him again. That was a lot mm. of fun. Um, but yeah, there were there were a number of great characters that were introduced in the game, and I, I just couldn't get enough of Fatal Fury 2. I thought it was great. Did you have any like particular favorite characters who you played as like in any of the games? Um, I liked Mai, and I also liked Big Bear. Big Bear is the wrestler I was talking about. <laughs> Big Bear, yeah. Big Bear is ridiculously <laughs> huge, and watching him get into a fight with Axel Hawk, of all people, is, mm. is really something. Um, so yeah, I definitely dig those two characters. Although... Uh, there was another one, a Japanese judo master by the name of Jubei Yamada. That was pretty cool as well. Not not related to Jubei from the uh, from the uh, Samurai Showdown series. Samurai Showdown, yeah, yeah. But it was he was a really cool character as well, and you could see him in the I think the King of I think he showed up, no he showed up again in uh, Wheel about Fatal Fury. Oh, okay. I stay in my house with your bride. Looks like we got Andre jumping in here now. What's up there, Andre? What's going on? Hey. What's up? Hey, so we are talking about Fatal Fury here. Uh, so I figure um, let's have you like jump in here, just kind of talking about like what are some of your favorite Fatal Fury games, as well as characters you like to play as. Um, caffeine nicotine, not caffeine. Not caffeine, <laughs> caffeine nicotine. nicotine. What I'm about. Oh my god! I'm Wrong series, I'm man. So Wrong Dude, series. On, yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, I mean really. To to be honest, I really like just the three brothers. I mean the two brothers. I really like you know uh, Joe and. Like Joe and Terry, and I mean, I like oh Terry and Andy, mean, right? Yeah, Terry and Andy, and Terry and Andy, and I mean, I just I love those guys. I mean, it's um, my computer now. Um, yeah, it's just uh, I usually pick randoms sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know if you had like any character that really kind of stuck out to you. Or actually, uh, um, let's um, let's let's have you first start off actually with like what are some of your favorite Fatal Fury games just in the franchise period? Um, Fatal Fury specials like the hands down one of my favorite. Like <laughs> Fatal Fatal Fury, <laughs> Fatal Fury special on the Game Gear is actually really really awesome. Really? Yeah, it's the the thing about it is the set, the, the SK games on the portables are really good. I mean, I love uh, R1 for the for the Neo Geo Pocket. Um of course the arcade the arcade uh, the PC Engine versions were like truly my favorite ones. Those mm. are like I forgot those, about those. Were, oh my, yeah. those were amazing. They were just so awesome. Garou was up in the top 3. Mhm. Um, yeah, we were just talking about Garo and like how that's like both both our favorites actually. Yeah, yeah, oh, Fatal yeah. Fury special. Um, I mean, you know, Fatal Fury Two was just like that was just that you couldn't have got any better. I mean, you got better at, over time, but mm-hmm. that was just hands down well balanced and well rounded. And yeah, Fatal Fury Two reminds reminds me of what I mean. Not saying Street Fighter Two wasn't perfect, but it reminded me of what Street Fighter Two would have become like in you know like maybe in third strike or something like that but well in a way it kind of did though because remember that it was like the same like a lot of the same team anyway who made street fighter one moved over to snk made a fatal fury franchise so in a way fatal fury is kind of like the alternate timeline of the street fighter universe you know yeah it's just i mean i mean a lot of people i mean a lot of people i talk to now who claim to be fighting game fans they only know king of fighters Mm. They only get with King of Fighters. I mean, they don't even know about World Heroes. I'm Their like, age is showing. That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. It's just I don't I don't understand them. So tell me about this uh, about this Fatal Fury game that was on the Game Gear though. The Game Gear one. The only thing about it, it didn't have. Um, who did it not? Who did it not have? I think it had everybody. I think it had geese. It had everybody. Yeah. It had a lot of characters. It it was like twenty. That Terry, Andy, Joe. Yeah, it had all the main characters. Plus, it had like all the, you know the all the alternate uh, characters. God, what was it? Yeah, it had a lot of characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did have pretty much almost everybody in it. It had everybody but like three people. I yeah, think. I, I, oh, I think okay. it didn't have Wolfgang. I know it didn't have him. Yeah, and I, I know that. it didn't have. Uh, I don't think it had Big Bear. I don't think it had Axel. I don't think it had Jebe. Yeah, it didn't have any. It didn't have any of the real big grapplers, but maybe one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it didn't have a. Uh, Shoot, I'm, I'm looking at the list here. Ryo Sakazaki. It didn't have him either. There were nine characters yeah. in all, but I remember this port. And this port was actually really good, if I recall correctly. It was really, it was fun. I don't know why. I mean, it was just one of those things. I just, I just had it. And I was like, because I got it. I got it on the Master System and I got it on the Game Gear. I got it on the Game Gear first. The only thing that was against it is you couldn't do like the back and forth platform jump. It was right. all one platform. Right. That's the only thing about it. technical limitations, yeah, it was all one. obviously. Right, hmm. yeah, it was really good. Um, oh, so it's Fatal Fury special. It looks like that was on Game Gear. Yeah, that's okay. a, yeah. Fatal Fury. It was it was crazy. It was so awesome. Uh, like the the, the PC Engine version was great. The the PC Engine version was pretty much arcade perfect. The frame rates the frame rates weren't all there, but I mean, except for like a couple of glitches here and there, but it was really good. The ones that I didn't like, um, I didn't like Wild Ambition. Yeah, we just talked yeah, about that, that too. Yeah, that, 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 that <laughs> I, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't a fan of, wasn't a fan of Wild Ambition. Yeah, um, the three D ones. The Garu was just awesome. Um, it was two thousand six as well. His, if you remember that, <laughs> I, I, I bought. I know I got Real Bout and Real Bout Special, but I didn't play them. I didn't play them a whole lot because I was just like, 
Uh, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I owned them. I owned them, but I was like, yeah, this is not. This is not my cup. You're of burned out on the franchise, maybe. No, yeah. I mean, like, like the original real bout was fine. I just didn't like the other ones. I didn't like the sequels. It just, it just didn't. They didn't. They didn't appeal to me. Like when I got the when I got first contact, I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. Hmm. This is awesome. Yeah, I can do this. But so, um, Andre, let me ask you like the same question that that I brought up um, that I brought up before. Um, so obviously with like Fatal Fury, it differentiated itself from like Street Fighter, like with like the plane switching and having like just a fence system and the top system and all that stuff. Um, but like obviously with like Garrow Mark of the Wolves, like a lot of people kind of consider that to be like the best Fatal Fury and also one of the best games that, uh, that, you know, that SNK ever made. Um, so do you feel like, you know, if like the Fatal Fury franchise was going to come back as like, you know, uh, you know, again, I should mention that it's been 20 years since we last saw a Fatal Fury game. Um, that do you feel like that they should go back to, I guess, like having like their own, like kind of like system in place with like the plane switching and all that, or should they go, you know, go more into like, I guess, like the street fighter style, like how Garou Mark of the Wolves did. Garou, the Garou style would be, um, probably more accepted. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about this when I was playing Summer Showdown. I wouldn't mind see them just go just bare bones. Mm, kind of start just, from the beginning, just, yeah. Start fresh. And start from the beginning and just start fresh. I mean, I mean, Samurai Showdown had a, had a lot of lot of lot of lot of bells and whistles, but mm. I mean, but it's still, but just the gameplay to me with that game was still simple. Mm. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a maybe it's just because I'm a, I'm a purist or something. But well, I, I feel really like if they're going to bring back Fatal Fury, that they would have to like bring up some new mechanics, really, to kind of like modernize it in that sense. I mean, um, I feel like the plane would, switching could come back, see. but like it, it would have to be yeah. done in a uh, in a more modernized way. I guess that you'd be more accepted. I would love I guess, to you know? see. I would love to see them improve the parry system. Mm. The just defense system, yeah. Yeah, I would love to see that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, after playing like King of Fighters fourteen. I mean, I don't, I mean, unless you do it that style. Unless you I do mean, it like, like that's kind of the classic and... SNK style anyway, but at least with like Fatal Fury, I mean, it could differentiate itself from the King of Fighters mm. games anyway, because the King the of Fighters plane, games the, has always the, been like team based and all that. So yeah, the plane, yeah, the plane, yeah, the plane, yeah, that would be good. I mean, as long as they, they stick to the basis of Fatal Fury, just don't lose the core values of Fatal Fury. Well, exactly. Yeah. Sure. I mean, like, so and... that's, that's, that's what I'm kind of asking you though. I mean, like, do you feel like that it should actually kind of go back to like the core of like what made, made a Fury, a Fatal Fury game, a Fatal Fury game, or should it, you know, become more, I guess, like, um, I guess like safer in a sense by going into like a more Street Fighter style, kind of like how Garou did. Yeah. I'm thinking, now that I'm looking at it, I'm thinking about it now, cause I'm looking at the fighting, I'm thinking about the fighting, the fighting game community now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like you still you know have to it do something different you know what, anyway, you know? It would probably have... You'd probably have to go with the Garou style. Then. You'd, you'd have to, probably. I mean, because... I mean, with the, I mean, when I talk about simple, I mean, like, making the gameplay simple. Now, the moves are still going to be complicated as hell, but... Right. I mean, I, like I said, I like today's fighting games, but some of them just have so many bells and whistles and, like, you know, ultra super special moves. And I was like, no. Kind of the Guilty Gear franchise or something like that, yeah. I mean, I got to say, it, it works for Guilty Gear. It truly works for Guilty Gear. But, as, I mean, you know, in SNK fighting games, until King of Fighters, I mean, King of Fighters was the was the beginning of, like, the really kind of, like... I mean, I truly think, like, King of Fighters was the true, like, okay, if you wanted something to go up against street the Street Fighter franchise, King of Fighters was it. 
Mm. Well, Fatal Fury was like the original like uh, competitor, really, to the Street Fighter franchise. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, this this thing we we said that back in the day. Like, oh man, this is this is what this is what Street Fighter should be like. I'm like, no, after because I after I grew up, as I got older, I I mean, King of Fighters just became so balanced, and even Street Fighter Two was a little wasn't as balanced as some of the later later games, but. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, yeah, if it's like the Garu style would be perfect, but I think today's game, today's fighting game fan, they want too much crap. They want all the flashiness and it's just. Well, it depends on like what the game actually is. I mean, you know, I feel like you can have something kind of like simplified, kind of like Samurai Showdown, but have some sort of like flashy mechanic that anyone can do kind of like um what's what's like the um the like blade move whatever like when you like activate right. and you like slash through them or whatever you can have something yeah. like that it looks flashy it's cool it's easy enough to do um i don't know what that would be necessarily in, in the fatal fury franchise like as far as like a mechanic that we've had before or something right. uh, you know because because like again i feel like you have to come up with something something different really something new for the franchise but still have you know, maybe things like just defend or the top system or the plane switching or whatever, just to kind of have it still feel like a Fatal Fury game. You know what I mean? See, I think top they did top was. I don't know if I mean I don't know if it's. I thought it had I potential. See, honestly, I want to see something. I want to see something like that come back. Yeah, maybe if it was, if it was like refined a bit more, maybe like yeah, because like I feel like there's like a lot of potential with what the top system can do. You know? Uh, yeah, it could have. I mean. I would love to see somebody like take that and just like if they were gonna remake any fit if they were gonna remake a game they should remake Garth. Uh, yeah, we were just and talking then, about that. We were talking about like um, how they announced a sequel and they actually announced the cast back in 2016, but we haven't heard anything on it because obviously they're focusing on King of Fighters 15 instead. But it's nice to know something's in place that where we could see a sequel announced probably in a couple of years or so. See, I would love to see Top in King of Fighters, but I know it would never happen. But I mean, I would love to see something like that style. I mean, like King of Fighters. I mean, they they've pretty much thrown the kitchen sink. I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do with fifteen. I just I could only imagine <laughs> because I just I mean because fourteen is just so it's so above and beyond anything anybody could have ever. It's pretty dense. Of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, good lord. And the thing about it is, it's like, and I and I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer. The fighting game community now is just they're I don't know fighting game if you if you consider yourself part of the fighting game community you're kind of sounded a little elitist to me hmm. and I'm not I mean I don't consider myself part of the community even though I know hundreds of competitive fighters I'm just a fan of the games I'm a fan of fighting games I'm a purist so I'm like I've been playing fighting games since you know the beginning mm-hmm. and. I just think that today's fighting game fan, I mean, I, you know, King of Fighters is in there. They have it at Evo and a couple of tournaments. I don't see people mess with King of Fighters hardly like they would. I mean, I would love to see something with Fate of Fury. Like, I want to see, because Fate of Fury, for the, uh, Fate of Fury, I really think is a purist fighting game. Well, do you think, like, having, like, a new Samurai Showdown kind of, like, opens the door, really, for a new Fatal Fury in that case? Because, like, how well that Samurai Showdown did and the reception to it and all that. Yes and no. It's more of a no because Samurai Showdown to me is Samurai Showdown is is something SNK did that was that's its own that's its own thing. Like Samurai Showdown's not like any other fighting game hmm. at all to me. I mean, weapon I've, based 2D fighting, yeah. 
it's just the fact, it's just the style, the stylized. I mean, you know, besides like, you know, I mean, like Guilty Gear is on its own, on its own plane. Okay, Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue, all the Arc System games, they're on a whole nother planet. Anime fighters, basically, when, yeah. They're on, a, they're on a whole nother planet. But Samurai Showdown was so, it wasn't even cut from the same cloth to me. I mean, I just looked at that game totally different than I did any other fighting game. Well, that was like the perfect franchise, really, for SNK to bring back. I almost put it, I almost put it as its own style of game. I mean, I mean, Fate of Fury, they took the base, they, they took the old 2D engine from a lot of their 2D, like SNK's 2D fighting games, and, you know, basically honed it down to where it's fight one-on-one. And then they just, they kept up in the ante every game release. Like, every release was just, oh, now we get to do this, and you get to do this, and you're adding more to it. And they kept adding to it, and then, you, and then you, know, then they, you know, they did the whole Wild Ambition thing. But then you get into Real Bout. I'm like, okay, you get back into, okay, now this is, this is more what I'm talking about. But even, you know, even then, it, was, it just didn't have the it factor that Fate of Fury 2 did. Right, like right. special. I really, I really think special kind of special was its own thing too. I think special was kind of like kind of special. Special yeah. was special was it special was, yeah, was special was king of yeah. special, special special was king of fighters before king of fighters. When Fate of Fury Special came out, it was like okay, now we, now we know what we're doing. Well, was was there? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Was there one Fatal Fury game that like had like actual like, team based combat? I'm trying to remember now. Or was that just like King of Fighters? Um, maybe be real about Fatal Fury two. Sure. I think it was real about. Ooh, I don't think it was real about special. No, I think it was no, one it of the other real special. about games, if I recall. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, but I could be making it up. But yeah. So Andre, if you had like a gun to the head, you're stuck on like, a desert island. Uh, you had to pick one Fatal Fury game to bring with you. Which one would it be in the franchise? Well, first, I think he'd ask for electricity. Electricity would be important. When it comes <laughs> yeah, I need electricity. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> let's just say there's like a power generator. You have your TV. You have whatever console that you need uh, or whatever. Dis- Disney know? Plus? Do you have Disney Plus? You got Disney Plus if you need to. <laughs> you know, you can take a break every so often. Just, just give me Disney Plus. I don't need <laughs> Disney, <laughs> Disney James Plus and coconuts. Disney Plus. Cheers. Disney Plus has took over everything, it seems. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. I... I refuse to buy Disney Plus right now. Oh, oh, my God. I was like, oh, you're, missing out, right? no, you're missing out. Anyway. I said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Okay. I'm going to wait a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, ooh. One Fatal mm. Fury game. For me, it's Garu. I'd have, to, I'd, I'd have to say Special. Special. Oh, okay. Nice. So we got Garo, Garo, and Special, yeah? Yeah. I mean, Garo is amazing, but I mean, Special just... I I think I play I played Fate of Fury Special more than I played any Fate of Fury game. Yeah. Mm, interesting. And uh, just to add something to your point here, Andre, I mean the fighting industry has changed quite a bit. Back in the nineties we barely had any fighting games to speak of. So anything that new and innovative did come along, it was easy to appreciate. It was easy to get into. I mean, nowadays people are pissed because Marvel versus Capcom Infinite wasn't Marvel versus Capcom four. You know, so yeah. things have changed so much in the fighting industry now. Like I said, like, I think I think we've talked about this. I think you and I are probably one of the <laughs> handful of people on the planet that actually is like, you know what? It really wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. But that's a different <laughs> like, topic really for a different show. We can do a Marvel vs. Capcom show. We'll cover that later. But I think the point is there's still great fighting games that are appreciated these days. And I think we're starting to see more of this old school mantra. Uh, come through with like some fighting games that are released these days, like Fantasy Strike. Uh, that comes to mind. I remember we took a look at that a while back, and that was a pretty cool 2D, 3D 
esque sort of fighting game from like one of the guys that worked on Street Fighter Alpha. I forget his exact name. I think David Durkin or something like that. But I mean, oh, there yeah, are yeah. some people. There are some people that pour the idea of like 2D fighting spirit into their games these days. And I'd like to think Fatal Fury is one of the precursors for that. A lot of people recognize the greatness that Fatal Fury brought with it. Oh, definitely. I mean, like the Fatal Fury franchise is still like beloved, honestly. I mean, if you saw yeah. like what, 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 what like Sakurai did when he was showing off Terry Bogard and he was going giving like a whole history, basically. Geese of the franchise. Howard falling off the building again. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say that I, I, I have to, I mean, I always knew Sakurai was, it was, it was a, giant fighting game nerd but i had to i uh, have to applaud what they did with terry bogard and smash Brothers. holy shit yeah i didn't think it was gonna be i'm like oh okay they put terry in there so but why is he getting his own direct that mm. doesn't make any sense because sakurai yeah, loves those went, games so and much I went, <laughs> and i went this guy is i mean i always liked him i always liked sakurai but i was like this guy is truly he is truly the truth this guy really knows what Honestly, up. honestly, like the only thing that they're missing with Terry Bogard's Smash is that they left out his Garou outfit uh, with right. like the bomber jacket and all that. Um, and also, like with all the music that they added in, they didn't add any Garou music at all. It was like bizarre I to me. It was a, <laughs> you know? I think it was a licensing thing. I don't know. I you think sure? it was kind of a licensing thing. I, it might have been. I don't know. I, I mean, I it's just kind of weird because I mean, you figured, like, the... it's, it's like SNK, you know? So Yeah, I read the list and I was like, I noticed that I was like, wow, there are no Garou songs. Okay. I mean, especially with like Rock Howard's theme, with like Rock Howard's theme, that's like the stuff yeah, right there, was, you know? Yeah, I was like, man, I could. I mean, I was kind of on the fence about getting the Fighters Pack. I said, I'll get it eventually. I'll get mm-hmm. it down the road. I think it's worth it, honestly, with like Joker and Banjo Kazooie, now Terry Bogard. I mean, come on. The minute that direct was over, I was on my Switch going, let me get this. Let's get this. Let's go ahead and get this. This is <laughs> this was this is definitely worth it. Yeah, um, I like how they they kind of like uh, had like the same mentality, like with like Ryu and Ken, like in the game, like where they you know where they have it, yeah. like where Terry always faces his opponent, and you also right. have um what's it called like you have like actual motions in order to do like his move, like you know do like more powerful versions of his moves instead of like the side B up B or whatever. I just love how they make you learn the moves. I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. I, well, Sakurai I, I, actually, I, I gave like a lesson, like a like a crash course in how to do like his Buster right. Wolf and like the Power Geyser and all that stuff. You know. I <laughs> said, insane. "Oh my God, he's actually." I think I put. I think I posted it up on Twitter. So I was like, "Oh my God, Sakurai's making you learn how to play fight, learn how to play fight of Fatal Fury." I was like, yeah. Okay. All right. He did great in everything except for like you know the lack of Garo. That's like the only complaint I really have for it. But that's it. Um, but yeah, we had like a bunch of listener responses as well, uh, talking about like their favorite games and uh, characters and memories from the Fatal Fury franchise. Uh, starting off with Nathan Thomas Niedering, who says, "Well, I recently picked up Real Bow Fatal Fury Special for the Sega Saturn. It only cost twenty bucks. Fantastic port from the Neo Geo. Wow. Uh, so, Andre, have you played this particular port? Yes." Wow, 20 bucks. Holy crap. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, not bad at all. <laughs> Which store did you <laughs> go to and do they have any left? <laughs> I know, right? That's what I want to know. Man, that's the one I didn't I played quite a bit. I, I played a little bit of it when I first got it. Um it was one of those things I I still have mine. I mean, Saturn fighting games are usually done really well anyways. So. Yeah, there are that's it was just the home of 2D. Most of them were arcade perfect. I think except for like a couple. I didn't get it there from Japan and enjoying it and playing the crap out of it. Until um, something else came out. I can't remember. I think it was another SNK came out. And I was like, okay, I'm done right now. Yeah. And uh, there's also Corey Vaughn who says Axel Hawk with like the picture of him right there. So um, I believe, Robert, you said you liked Axel Hawk, right? 
Yeah, I think he's a pretty cool character. So I definitely, I mean, he's no Wolfgang. Let's be honest, yeah. Wolfgang's a friggin' <laughs> badass. I mean, who, who fights oh, you yeah. with that with a choir going in the background? Jeez, I mean, he's just out of control. I mean, but, I don't know too much about Axel Hawk, so is he kind of like the Balrog, more or less, of the Fatal Fury? Kind of, yeah. I mean, you know, he'd probably beat up Balrog. Let's be yeah. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> and uh, there's Ori Girandra, who says, my Shirinu, for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, after Terry Bogard was announced and Sakurai said she can't be in the game because it's for good boys and girls, I mean, never mind Bayonetta, but some right. fans were making these stages featuring my... You know, oh, and, of course. And, and That's right, the like, stage editor. Yeah, I know. Like, hey, I'm just walking around on her boobs. It's fine. Right. <laughs> Me, Boichi. <laughs> uh, then there's uh, Eric Magers, who says, Fatal Fury Special, to me, was the pinnacle of the series. In fact, Fatal Fury Special belongs in my top list of favorite video games. Uh, there's wow. also Mark Pascal, who says, Tung Fu Ru is my favorite. So Tung Fu Ru, if you don't oh, know, is man. like the old sensei oh, yeah. guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He can be a bastard to, pl- to fight against. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Well, he had that like ability like where he kind of buffed out or whatever and just like wrecked her shit. Much. I only got punched by him once. So I was really just blocking and jumping all over the place. And that he took half my health. I thought it was a glitch or something. I was like, there's, there's no It's an SNK fighting game. That's why. So. Oh, I don't even want to get into fighting SNK bosses. Oh, right. And uh, there's Tyrell White, who says, I have a soft spot for Duck King, uh, which I can <laughs> definitely share that soft spot for sure. I like Duck King a lot, honestly. Duck, Duck so. King's a pretty cool character. I can't lie. Yeah. yeah Duck King is awesome. And then there's also Tom Storm, who says, Garou, no question, on sale on Switch for four bucks right now. Uh, but I love Fatal Fury Special and plenty of the King of Fighters games, too. Also love both King of Fighters games on GBA, which I don't think I knew about GBA King of Fighters yeah, games. Yeah, those were those were pretty good. All those, I'm telling you, there was a, there's a King of Fighters game, there's a Fatal Fury game. On GBA as well? Fatal Fury Spe- yeah, oh, you, you know, game, oh, yeah. There's a King of Fighters EX, on, and it's, they're kind of rare. The, the SK fighting games on Game Boy Advance are kind of rare. Hmm. Oh, yeah, um, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, Probably not as rare really as the good. Game Gear Fatal Fury special because everybody knows how badass it is. Hey, you know what? One game we haven't discussed and we probably should because it does have its own ties to the Fatal Fury series, SNK Heroines. Because uh, you oh, yeah. recall <laughs> yeah. earlier this year, like a gender-swapped Terry Bogard, the Fatal Cutie, was introduced to this game. And I actually thought it was pretty cool. I'll be honest. You know, <laughs> yeah. I know David was thrown off quite a bit. He's like, wait, that's okay. <laughs> I have so many questions. I'm so confused. What's going on? <laughs> Do I say she's hot? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, what's kind of cool actually about SK Heroines, which I will mention, uh, there was the um, the gender swapped Iori in there, which was like the final boss, yeah, 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 I believe. Yeah, right. um, which uh, what was the name like Mistress X or something yeah. like that. It was basically Iori dressed as a female to try to fool people and just whatever, kind of throwing like a female tournament or whatever. Um, but that was like actually like an older character because like uh, was it there's like some other all female fighting game uh, within SNK and like that's basically where that came from. Right. So it's a neat little callback. But yeah, with like Terry Bogar like turning into a female, that's completely new to that game. So. I think I still have the I still have the Fatal Cutie hat actually. You still have the hat? And really? <laughs> I have the hat. I well they they sent me a hat. They sent me a hat from like NIS America. Oh, God bless them. I mean, you know, every time oh, wow. I wear it, be like, yeah, I'm a Fatal Cutie. There, there you right. go. <laughs> I'm adorable. You shut your mouth. Nice, nice. I've I have I've got I bought that game recently and have never I have not had a chance to play, had a chance to play it. Yeah, you don't really have too I mean, much of a reason to play it to be honest. But but speaking of since we're doing it the the Fate of Fury episode, 
I don't know how this happened, but just just literally like a like a like about five days ago, I gra- I get pulled out my um, Neo Geo Pocket. Oh, nice! And I was playing. And I was oh, playing... I that first contact wasn't it? Right? Yep, I was playing first con. I was playing first contact. And yeah, I've got first contact, and I played my. Of course, I played Match to the Millennium. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, and I have Gal Fighters too, and I was like, when they when they because when they was like, we're gonna bring out SNK heroines, I'm like, dude. What about Gal? Just bring a, make a point of Gal's fighters. That's, yeah. Gal's fighters is amazing. Dude. It's kind of like the spiritual sequel yeah. to that, really. In that case, so, yeah. yeah I, like, <laughs> I think fighters. they needed to tone it down a little bit because they knew they were going to be on Switch and they didn't want to have a fully mature rating. Because remember, it well, got really TV they got TV. really close to that, though. I mean, if you look at some of the they, alternate they cost, costumes in that, so <laughs> they did, but they didn't go quite dead or alive. I mean, they have a cow costume for my. So, I mean, come on, yeah. Now. I mean, the oh, cow wow. costume is amazing. If we're, if we're really going to get it's game. amazing for many reasons, Robert. <laughs> I'm aware. I know what those reasons are. I can yeah, <laughs> reasons. <laughs> um, then there's Red Bradley Lapitan who says, "I've always been partial to Terry. My favorite memory is playing the first Fatal Fury on the Genesis for the first time. And Robert, I think you talked about this particular port, right? Yeah, on the Genesis, I thought it was really well done. I, I like yeah, Fatal Fury in the Genesis and then Fatal Fury 2 in the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, David Medina, who says, Real About Special and Mark of the Wolves are my faves in that series. And uh, a couple of cool quotes here from Amilcar Sumalave, who says, Double Rapuken. And uh, Brendan <laughs> Douglas, who says, You cannot escape long death. And then the stand up oh, wow. afterwards. <laughs> what, what is a long death? Great. A long death. I mean, he's really saying you cannot escape from death, but because of right. the translation or the way he's just kind of talking, whatever, it just sounds like long death. Like, it just kind of sounds like that. So. <laughs> But yeah. Hilarious. yeah, and like same thing with like I will stain my hands with your blood or whatever. <laughs> like you guys says like some weird <laughs> shit like that. Predictable. Uh but yeah, thank you very much everyone for sharing your favorite Fatal Fury games, characters, and memories there. Those logo ones there. So thank you again for that. And uh Robert, I believe you have a game code to give away. I do. It's for One Finger Death Punch 2. Since we're in a fighting spirit here, check out this fun little indie game in which you rhythmically fight your way through a bunch of armies while avoiding running out of stamina. This is a good little destruction of stick figure sort of game. I really enjoy this one, so you'll check it out too. It's on Steam, and the code is Y6RQWZK3DAVAW89. That's for One Finger Death Punch 2 on Steam. Enjoy, and if you do redeem, let us know at twitter.com slash argpodcast. Indeed. And I uh, just want to give a shout out here to our patrons as well, Francisco Limas and Mac V Ball. So thank you very much, guys, for helping support the show. And if you too would also like to support the show, definitely check us out at patreon.com slash rcast. So you can see all the different perks that we offer, uh, including like being like a guest on the show and like, you know, also picking like a topic. Uh, or you can also just do like a one dollar tier just to help you know help support the show and every little bit counts. So thank you very much for everyone uh, for checking that out and helping support us. So and uh, Andre, where can people go in order to find your stuff online? They can find my stuff at realotakugamer.com. Uh, they can also check me out at on Twitter at new at, at newotakuman5000. And pretty much Otakuman5000 anywhere. So just keep searching. If not, just hit me up. We'll 
we'll we'll connect somehow. So that's pretty much at the end of the episode right there. And uh, yeah, so that's Arcast episode 184 in the book. So if you would like to follow the Arcast on Twitter, we are at Arc Podcast. Same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arc Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at The Guilty Man. Find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also find my work at gamepur.com, svg.com, and mmogames.com. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at argcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars or pop culture in general. There is also us with Argcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes, subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there is absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. All right, that is episode number 184 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. And no matter what Fatal Fury game you enjoy, aside from Wild Ambition, just remember, you're, you're messing with history here, guys. Enjoy it, please. This was a series that was built out of love and not built out of DLC expansions. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't care if Negan's not in it. Just play Fatal Fury, will you? Please. Well, we got uh, geese in there, at least. So, yeah. yeah, see, do that. Bring me an Evo tournament that's old-school Fatal Fury. We'll see how well these fighting experts hold up. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll stain my hands with your blood. Andre, I'll show up. Y'all heard of a rocket at old school. I'm going to sit down here, you know, do my thing. <laughs> I'll beat geese easily with my skill and technique. There you go. Geese. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that was our Fatal Fury episode. We will see you. Catch you later. Hello, my name's Richard Moss, and I make a podcast called The Life and Times of Video Games. It's a narrative and documentary-style show about games' history and how the medium has evolved over time. Each episode or bonus interview soundbite delves into some aspect of the ups and downs of the industry, or the design, development, and legacy of the best or most interesting games ever made. It's all carefully edited, complete with original music and sound design, and a mix of interviews and deep research, all set up to tell you a great story about the secret worlds behind or within video games. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.